Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I was alive when Jim Jones had those followers drink Kool-Aid that was poison. It was an awful time. I was only 19, so I wasn't following world events and didn't care a lot about the world, but it still impacted the whole culture of the day. But what's amazing is how a term like Kool-Aid how, how it morphs, and today when we say Kool-Aid, we're referring to the Kool-Aid of our culture, what our culture believes that is actually not true. And so as Christians, we wanna make sure we don't drink that Kool-Aid, because good Kool-Aid's good, but we don't wanna drink that Kool-Aid. So we have one for this weekend that I'm really excited about, and uh, this is the Kool-Aid we're gonna talk about that our culture believes. The Bible is dangerous, inaccurate, and written by man. And we live in a culture that believes that more so now than ever. And I'm just really excited to be able to address it. And let me just tell you my story. Um, before I met Jesus, right around 17, then 18, then 19 for sure, um, I came to the place where I didn't believe God existed. And I was raised uh, in the Catholic Church. I went through parochial schools. I had religion classes, I think three times a week. But I came to a place where I didn't believe God existed. I surely didn't believe the Bible was of God. And then when I met Jesus at 19 and I accepted him as my savior, many of you had the same experience. All I can say is all of a sudden, I believed in God, I believe he existed, and I believe the Bible was God's word. And I couldn't prove anything up here, but I just believed it. It was amazing. But then as we walk through life, this Kool-Aid of our culture begins to come at us and then we have these doubts in our minds. So I remember the first five years as a Christian, I had to deal with a lot of doubts. And I found some people that teach what's called apologetics, and they really helped me. So this is an apologetics-type lesson. And what I mean by that is we're going to prove the Bibles from God intellectually for our minds, right? Because when you accept Jesus, you're going to know, hey, you just know, yeah, this is from God. But then you have to deal with all that Kool-Aid that comes at your head, right? So we'll have a blast doing that. I do want to say this about the Bible. It is very precious to me, and obviously, I have the privilege of teaching it. But on a personal level, it's also precious. I now read my Bible on my smartphone, and I just love it. I, I, I used to do only paper Bibles. That's all the option we had. I taught from a paper Bible. I read study from a paper Bible, and I had notes in every column. I had highlights everywhere. I wore so many Bibles out, and then I'd set them on a shelf, and I'd grab a new one and start over. And then when the electronic Bible came out, it was like, whoa. I'm, I'm at BibleGateway.com. That's what I use. I can get on my Bible on any of your smart devices, computers. All I have to do is sign in. And every note I ever wrote will come up because I sign in with my name, every highlight. And Here's the best part of it. I can actually read my notes because they're typed out. That's really awesome, guys. A lot of times I look in my column and say, well, 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 I don't even know. what I, I need interpretation of my notes, which is a spiritual gift, which sometimes didn't work. It just was as the Spirit willed, right? So uh, I am so excited about it. And the first thing I do every morning, it's, it's just a God habit, is I read my Bible. And I'm on a program, read through the Bible in a year, and it is so precious. Some years I read through more, but... There's something about just reading through it every year, and here's what's happening this year. I am seeing things that I had never noticed before, and I think, 
Either I'm dumb or this is just how the Bible works, but, well, I never saw that before, or I, I begin to see it more clearly. So very precious, and if you're listening, you say, man, I'm not sure the Bible's of God. I, I wanna help you out. I can tell you this, when I accepted Christ, then I knew this is God, this is from God, but the doubt still comes. So let's go ahead and look at my big idea. If you're visiting, this is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. This is what I really hope to do in this lesson. And here it is. The Bible is the most accurate historical book on planet Earth. I want you to walk out saying that's true. It confirms science, reveals the Messiah, and proves that it's supernatural in origin. I really believe I can prove to you that the Bible's supernatural in origin intellectually. So we're going to have a blast as we do this. And I want to begin by just talking about the accuracy of the scriptures. And here's my first thought. How accurate is the Bible? Is the gospel of Mark what Mark actually wrote? Is the book of Isaiah what Isaiah actually wrote? You, gotta, you have to remember, there was no printing press for a long time. So we're reading copies of copies of copies, right? And we have to ask ourselves, Sometimes, how accurate is this? And it's really cool when you look at it. So I thought I would compare this with some other famous ancient writers and then just show you the Bible compared to them. So first one is Plato. Not trying to pick on Plato, but he wrote, uh, one of the books he wrote, he was a philosopher, was The Republic. I had to read that in school and did not enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> I would not recommend it. But uh, his writing was done from 427 to 327 B.C., he didn't write for 100 years, but it's somewhere. They're not 100% sure, but somewhere in that, in, in that pocket. And the earliest manuscript we have of Isaiah is 900, or, or, or Plato is 900 AD. So notice that it's a 1,200-year gap. So when you and I read Plato, any of his books, that's a 1,200-year gap. So that means we're reading copies of 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 copies. You might wonder, why are you doing that? That's really annoying. Well, I was on a missions trip, and I was in a country, and I had to take a 10-hour train ride at night to go from one city to, to the other. And it stopped every half hour in a town where people got off and got on. And every time it stopped, there'd be vendors selling coffee, and, and you, you could not sleep. By the way, it didn't have a toilet. It was a World War II vintage train, very poor area we were in. And they just had a hole, and you'd see the tracks moving to go to the bathroom. I tried my best not to go to the restroom that particular night. But every time you stopped, you would hear this. Coffee, 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 coffee. And when I came home, I said it for months. I would just go, coffee, coffee, coffee. So when I saw copy, I just thought, hey, copy, 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 right? Just having some fun. I, I wanted to annoy you a little because I want you to realize these are copies of copies of copies of copies. And we only have seven copies. And I never have heard anyone argue, well, I don't know if I'm really reading Plato. Am I really reading them? That No one ever argues that, but we argue about the Bible. I want to show you the Bible compared to him and also Aristotle. Let's take a look at Aristotle. Uh, Aristotle was younger. He wrote, one of the things he wrote was poetics and rhetoric. I have never read it. Um, with a lot of other books. And then he wrote from 384 to 322 BC. Notice we're going backwards before Christ. The earliest manuscripts are found in 1000 AD. So there's a 1400 year gap in what he wrote. 
So when we read Aristotle, we are reading copies of 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 copies. By the way, we have coffee out in the lobbies, guys, by the way, man. And it's amazing coffee. Borman, yours was amazing. Ours is amazing here. Now, there's only 49 copies of Aristotle, just 49 copies. So you say, well, that, that's pretty good. Well, I'm going to put it on full screen now in Borman. Let's compare it with the Bible. Here's the New Testament, guys. Um, the New Testament was written from 50 to 100 AD, and, and uh, the earliest manuscripts are 100 to 200 AD. And look at how many. There's 5,686 of them. So that's why there's just a span of, it's just amazing. And it's only a 100-year gap. Only a 100-year gap. So compare that to Plato, Aristotle. Guys, when we read the Bible, we're just reading a copy of a copy. And that's it, man. It's just, woo. That, that makes it even more accurate. But let me show you something else. Let's go back to the Old Testament, because uh, I think I made my point there. It, it is the most accurate historical book on planet Earth. And I, I would believe if God had it written, if God made sure men wrote what he wanted, he would protect it too, don't you think? And uh, listen to this about Isaiah. In 1945, the oldest, cop, oldest copy of the book of Isaiah discovered was written in 1008 AD. So that's all we read back before 1945. And then in 1946, the great Isaiah scroll was found. It was written in 100 BC. Now, this was an 1,100-year gap between the two documents. Can you imagine how they salivated these, these theologians? Whoa, we can compare two documents that have 1,100 years. These are copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies. So we can compare them, right? We can compare them. So here's the results. When they compared the two, they were over 99%, over 99% identical. The only changes were misspelled where some of the scribes probably spelled like I do. So there was a mistake here or there. Or conjunctions and or but, et cetera. Maybe they had a little wine the night before. I don't know. <laughs> Should have said and and said but. But that didn't change the meaning of anything written in the book. Can you imagine that huge 1,100-year gap and the meaning didn't change it was identical, 99%. The little mistakes were identical. Guys, in my opinion, that's absolutely amazing. Now, let's address, let's address this next thought. Is the Bible dangerous? And boy, sometimes in the name of the Bible, in the name of Jesus, there, there are some crazy things, if we read history, that have happened. Think about uh, the Crusaders. Think about how they killed other religions, and they had the Christian flag and the Christian cross, and they did it in the name of Christ. And when you study history, you can understand why that happened. It wasn't what God wanted. The Bible is the most liberating, loving book on planet Earth. I mean, when you read the New Testament, Jesus says, turn the other cheek, pray for your enemies, feed those that are your enemies. And so we know they didn't get that from the Bible. Now, if you're a soldier and you have to go for, to war for your country, the Bible's fine with that. It just tells you, you know, be a good soldier, be honest. But as far as Christianity, God doesn't want us taking up arms and killing everybody that's not a Christian, right? That's just not taught in the Bible, but that's what they did. But Constantine was an emperor in Rome, and when he became emperor, he took the pressure off of Christians. He made the Roman Empire stop persecuting Christians, which was, I'm sure everybody was really excited. But then a guy came after him. Uh, his name was uh, Theodosius, Theodosius, and you know what he did? He was, he was different. Um, 
he decided, and we don't think he was a Christian, he decided to make the entire Roman Empire Christian. And he made a declaration. He said, everybody in our empire must become a Christian. So he made everybody be born, uh, water baptized, not born again, but water baptized. And he said, we are a Christian nation. And that's when the birth of Christian religion came. These people weren't born again. They didn't know who Jesus is. They didn't love Jesus. They, they just were religious people who took the Bible and exchanged it for many of their pagan ways, right? And so they did some terrible things. How about uh, what people did through history with women and how they treated women and what they did and how they treated people? Do you know the Bible doesn't teach that? To this day, there's some people that will take the scripture in Ephesians that says, uh, wife, submit yourself to your husbands as the church does to Christ. And, and then they begin to try to put their wife in bondage. The Bible doesn't teach that, guys. They're twisting that all out. As a matter of fact, listen to this. In Bible days, when Jesus lived, when Paul was writing, all in these Bible days, before and all through that time, women, even wives, were looked at as property. Isn't that awful? They were property. That's why they could have a bunch of wives. And uh, It doesn't mean they didn't see a woman and say, oh, she's pretty, I want to marry her. But once they married her, she was just property. Their daughters were property. That's what happened in Bible days. And Jesus comes to fix that. Mankind has a problem, guys. Uh, in Genesis, the Bible says, because Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God isn't doing this. He said, this is the result of a man and a woman having a sin nature. He said, the man will rule over you and the woman would allow it to happen, right? And that is not the heart of God. But if somebody doesn't change with their, with, with, with their Christianity, they'll continue to live those awful ways. But that's, the Bible is not dangerous. It's liberating. Jesus said, the spirit of God is on me. He sent me to liberate Everybody, every nationality, he said, we're all equal. I don't know about you, but that excites me. All people are equal. And here's what he said about women, and I want you to think. The culture of the day, the Kool-Aid of the day was women are property, wives are property. And here's what the Bible comes along and says. It says this, Ephesians 5.20, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Could you imagine these new Christians in Ephesus saying, what? She's my property. I don't. I like the old days, you know. And 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 God is saying, no, no, no. She is an heir together with you. That's what Peter says about the wife and the husband. You're heirs together as you walk through life. And now he's saying, I want you to love your wife like Jesus loves the church, which means he died for us. So Jesus said, I want you to make your wife so valuable that you put her needs above your needs. Can you imagine sitting in that sermon for the first time? And you're thinking, you're messing with my culture. I like this Kool-Aid. I don't want to stop drinking it. And so Christians were persecuted because of how they began to treat their wives. The Bible is not dangerous, guys. It's liberating, and it's an amazing book. Hey, how about this one? Uh, you might not agree with it when I first say it, but listen to it. The Bible agrees with science. It really does. Sometimes it takes science a while to catch up to the Bible, as we're going to see. And I'm going to share something with you. It's a theory, so I don't, I don't want you to ruffle your feathers. And you have to give me Pastor Joe creds, because I, I've been here 38 years, and you know I'm, I'm solid with the Scriptures. So give me some Pastor Joe uh, creds. But let me, let me throw something at you. You know how uh, we often argue how old the earth is? 
And, and, and if we're fundamental, which I was in my early days, and I still am, we'd say it's 6,000 years old. But then you see science saying, no, it could be billions of years old. It could be trillions of years old. So, you know, that's just hitting your head like, well. And when I don't understand something, I just put it on a shelf. But I remember hearing some theologians talk about the gap theory. And here's the gap theory. And I'm not, I'm not changing creation at all. I, I believe everything in Genesis 1 and 2. But, but here's the gap theory. Verse 1, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And other scriptures say he made the earth perfect. He made everything perfect. But then verse 2 comes along and says this. And the earth was void and without form. Think about that. It was chaos and covered with water. And then the Holy Spirit hovered above the earth. It's really a cool verse. Do you know the word was and the the earth was? Uh, That Hebrew word can be translated also as became. So the gap theory is, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was all perfect. And Lucifer was Lucifer. He wasn't the devil. And he ruled and, and reigned as the worship leader of heaven. And then when he was thrown down to the earth, he destroyed it, and it became. And so the gap theory is there could have been billions and trillions of years while all that was going on, and then we had the destruction of the earth. You might say, can you prove that 100%? I would say, no, but can you disprove it 100%? No, you can't. But it's, what it does for me is it just helps me say, I have a category for that. I have a category for that. But let me show you two things where the Bible confirms science. It took science a long time to catch up. Isaiah 40, verse 22. God sits high above the round ball of the earth. The, the, the Hebrew word is spear. Every translation will say spear or round. Um, it goes on to say the people look like mere ants to, to God, right? So the Bible said the earth was round. Listen to this. 2,200 years before man figured out it was round. Because this is Isaiah. It was written in 700 BC. So it took man 2,200 years to actually figure out that the earth was round. So back before they figured it out, they believed the earth was flat. There's some flat earthers today. If you want to be entertained, put flat earth in YouTube. It is fun. It is just fun just to, to, to I, I listen to a bunch of them just for entertainment, okay? So uh, people today still believe the earth is flat, but back then they believed it was flat. So when Columbus came and said, I want to go, I want to go west, They said, no, you'll fall off the flat earth, and they made fun of him. And he was a Christian man, and he pulled out Isaiah, I'm sure, and he said, no, the earth is round. And they they made fun of him. They made fun of Jews that would say the earth is round and took science 2,200 years to catch up. You know what else they believed? The earth was flat, and it was held up by pillars. Yeah, they believed that. And, and so listen to Job 26, verse 7. He spread the skies over unformed space. Listen to this. He hangs the earth out in empty space. It's not on pillars. And now we know. Science figured it out. Job's one of the oldest books in the Bible. It was written in 1445 B.C., right there with Genesis. So it took science 3,000 years to figure out the earth isn't on pillars it's out there hanging. So I don't believe the Bible and science disagree. There's some things that might take a while for us to figure out why. But guys, the Bible is an amazing book. But my next point is all about the supernatural. Take a look at this. The scriptures aren't the point. They point to the point, Jesus. And I'm not downplaying the scriptures. Again, give me Pastor Joe creds, right? Um, uh, I'm not downplaying the scriptures. You, you, you've watched me over times. I, I kissed my Bible. I don't want to kiss it now because 
it'll wet my screen. But, but I love my Bible. I love it. I love it. But listen to what Jesus said. He was speaking to religious leaders, and he said this in John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. And sometimes it's so easy to become so religious. We're going we're gonna to fight over all these doctrines and fight over all these things. And Jesus is saying to them, guys, the scriptures are all about pointing to me from cover to cover. And that's what makes them supernatural. So I thought I would show you just eight of the 300 prophecies about Jesus. So there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that said Jesus would be born. They said how he would die. It's just absolutely amazing, over 300 of them. And you may think nothing of that, but let me read eight, and then let me show you how impossible it is for eight of these to come to pass randomly. It cannot happen. So here's some you'll be familiar with. The time of Jesus' birth, Daniel chapters 8 and 9, that was 164 B.C., before he was born. Uh, he would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, 700 years before he was born. He would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14, 700 years before he was born. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11.12, 520 years before he was born. Think about that. God knew what Judas would do, and he would take 30 pieces of silver 520 years before he did it. It's a supernatural book. Uh, he would be mocked, Psalm 22, 7 through 8. 900 B.C. was Psalms written. Uh, he would be crucified, Psalm 22, verses 16 through 18. Uh, he would be pierced, Psalm 22, 16, another 900 years, right, before he was born. He would die with the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich, Isaiah 53, 9. We were reading, I was quoting Isaiah at communion. That was written in 700 B.C. So, Here's what mathematicians say, and this is what intellectually I'm convinced. Even if I wasn't a Christian, and even if I didn't have the born-again experience, and I just know down here that the Bible is alive, it's out of God's mouth, this proves it intellectually. And, and so listen to this. Mathematic and astronomy professor Peter W. Stoner proved that the chances of just eight prophecies about Jesus coming true by sheer chance are one in 10 trillion. That is mathematically impossible. I know all of us knew that, but I had to add it. That's mathematically impossible. One in 10 trillion. I'm decent with numbers. I'm not the best, but I'm pretty good with numbers. I'm really comfortable with numbers, but it's hard to wrap my head around one in 10 trillion. But Peter Stoner helped us. He gave us an image. Here's the image. If we were to take the state of Ohio and cover the whole state with quarters, now listen to this. Think about it from the valley all the way over to Toledo, down to Cincinnati, down to the southeast uh, border, the whole state. If we were to take one quarter, paint it red, we paint one quarter red, and then we have this imaginary cement truck that can mix all the quarters up, okay? Just we have to imagine. And we put enough quarters in that uh, truck to, to mix them up to cover the entire state of Ohio, every inch of it, with 12 feet of quarters. So just imagine, 12 feet of quarters cover the whole state. But there's just one red one, and they mix them up. They cover the whole state. The whole state, the entire state is covered with 12 feet of quarters. And then we took anybody in this room, anybody in Borman, wherever, online, and we blindfolded you, and we said, hey, where would you like the copter to drop you? And you said, oh, drop me in the valley. And so we drop you here in the valley, and we say, remember, you can't see. You're blindfolded. We say you have one chance to pick that red quarter. That's one in a trillion, guys. Do you think they could do it? They could say, well, dig six feet down, and then it's not going to be a red core. It's just not going to happen. 
it's impossible to happen. And they said, that's how impossible it is for eight prophecies. There's over 300. So you know what that tells me? There is a God that created time who stands above time. He sees the beginning all the way to the end. And there's the only way you could orchestrate eight of these coming to pass, let alone over 300 coming to pass. And that makes the Bible supernatural. I'm gonna wind up by saying it this way. The Bible contains 66 books written by 40 different authors over a span of 1,600 years, three different continents too that they wrote from. The miracle wasn't that the Bible was written over a 1,600 year span. The miracle is that the Bible is so consistent the fact that it tells one story over 1,600 years and it all points to Jesus is the miracle. It makes the Bible supernatural. And I, I just think we should give it up all over right now. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. It makes the Bible supernatural. So even if you're not a Christian, you're thinking, oh, wow, I'm gonna have to check this stoner guy out. I'm gonna have to do some numbers myself. Cool, do, do all that. You're gonna conclude that none of this could happen randomly. And the point of the Bible is Jesus. He is the point of the scriptures. And the Bible is supernatural. It's not dangerous. It's a beautiful book. It wasn't written by man. God gave these men the words to write. And we know that because it, can you imagine? A 1,600-year span, and it all is the same. It's coordinated. You and I, nobody could figure that. No one could make that happen. There had to be a supernatural God that did it. So, hey, for those of you that are visiting, for everybody, you, you can download our Believer's Church app on any smart device, and everything that's ever on a PowerPoint in the lesson, those are available. So you can take everything I had on the screen, and you can just go over it. It will really help you. Share it with some friends. Share this video with some friends. Let's go ahead, close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I did my best to bring this part of the Bible out, and Lord, I just thank you for the brilliant people that have studied these things out. And Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for helping us knock the Kool-Aid of doubt out of our minds. Lord, we pray for our culture, and we know that for much of our culture, what they're going to need is what happened to me. They're going to have to have their eyes opened up to Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for that happening in a huge, huge way in our nation. We thank you for a revival coming. We thank you for people, Lord, that are drinking Kool-Aid, Father, that believe lies about God and the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to reach out and you, the point, Jesus, are going to save their souls like you saved our souls. And we, we thank you for doing that in this world in which we live. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening right now online, uh, TCI, Borman, here in Warren, and you say, man, my heart's touched. Here's the good news of the Bible. Here's the point, Jesus. Jesus came so you can live. We talked about it if you went through communion with us. He came so you could live. That's why he came. He's the son of God. He always existed. He took upon himself a human body, and then he died and gave his life for us. And then he was buried. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's another miracle. God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name, he will save them. So here's what I'm asking right now. I'm not asking you to join a religion or our church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you believe in God or you don't. I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? Because he'll save your soul. He'll give you hope. He'll wash your sins away. So if you're listening, you say, I'm ready today to accept the Jesus of the Bible, 
the Jesus that God talked about over a 1,600-year span. I'm ready to receive him. Would you pray right now? Would you pray with us? And Boardman Warren online, TCI, can we help them pray? And if you mean this from your heart, God will do a miracle. Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. This day, I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died for the sins of the entire world. And God raised you from the grave. I accept you as my Savior and make a decision this day to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.